Hey, everybody, with the spirit of giving going around this uh, time of year, it is the season to give to charity, right? But have you ever given money to a charity and wondered if it was really doing any good, if the money was going to the people who actually needed it? Well, today we're going to be talking about the rules of effective charitable giving up next on The Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon. I'm Shazia Mughal with Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio News. Federal Reserve officials announced today that they plan to continue stimulating economic growth until the unemployment rate falls to 6.5 percent. They don't expect the rate will reach this level until about 2015. Government officials say no significant progress has been made on the fiscal cliff talks today. House Speaker Boehner and President Obama's chief negotiator spent hours trying to craft a deal last night, but officials say they both left the meeting without coming to a consensus. Oregon authorities say the gunman who killed two people and himself in a shooting rampage at a mall was 22 years old and that he acquired a rifle from a friend. Police say the man's semiotic rifle was already fully loaded when he arrived at the mall. U.S. officials say Syrian forces have fired Scud missiles at rebel groups in the northern part of the country over the past few days. Officials say they're not sure where the missiles hit or if there are any casualties. U.N. nuclear expectors say they're ready to go to Iran's disputed Parchin military complex if the state allows it to. The announcement comes after talks in Tehran between inspectors and Iranian officials. Guatemalan officials say they'll deport software giant John McAfee to the United States. McAfee has been in Guatemala for a week after being apprehended by authorities a month ago in Belize as part of a murder investigation. And communications giant and self-made millionaire Joe Albritton died today at age 87. Albritton once led Riggs National Bank and owned multiple newspapers and mass media outlets. Those close to Albritton say he died in a Houston, Texas hospital from heart failure. That's the news. I'm Shazia Mughal with Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend, your life coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program to help you and your loved ones grow healthier, smarter lives. You know, we want to give you a leg up on this crazy thing. It's hard to stay ahead of all the fun, exciting things that can be happening to us as humans. But you know what? If we don't uh, learn, we're just bound to keep repeating all of the mistakes of the past. So on the program today, we are going to give you the tools you need to make sure you don't just keep making the same mistakes. That's pretty much the goal of the show, and we have a great uh, team here to help us do that. As I look into their eyes, I think of, man, what a great team we got. I've got uh, Skyboy here sporting his Spurs shirt. Apparently there's a Jazz, Utah Jazz Spurs game tonight. You're going to that? Yes, I am. And are we taking any lady friends? Uh, no, not tonight because because the we tickets want, were expensive. We wanted to get. We were like we could sit further away and take lady friends, or we could sit closer and not take lady friends. Priorities. Yeah. Well, okay. Now, can I just teach you something, Scott Boy? <laughs> I, I'm with Bryce on this one. I'm sorry. That's the Spurs. As a, <laughs> that's pretty great. You you really care more about the Spurs, don't you, than the lady friend than getting you know? Yeah, I, right now I married. definitely do. At okay. this point, yes. Well. Give it maybe like 10 years from now. That might change, especially if the Spurs are kind of tanking it at that point. Yeah, but, or they're tanking it. But right it. now they're doing great. They're and, doing great. 
And, uh, and tonight they're going to lose to the Jazz. But uh, no. no, they won't. <laughs> um, I think that's great. And that's neat. You're wearing the shirt. I think that's cool. That shows a lot of cool Spurs spirit. I think the shorts from the 80s, that's a little too much. Uh, John Stockton called and needs his shorts back. A little too high there. <laughs> Don't need to see that much. <laughs> ragga, 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 ragga. So that's what you're doing tonight. What are you doing there, BT? Well, I, I have this is finals season. Mm. So I will be uh, taking finals tonight. Yes. A night final. Well, we'll see. I'm actually going to go and see how the line is for okay. the testing center. If it's bad, look online. You can oh, look at the picture. Right. Yeah, they, they have a video. Yeah. They have something that refreshes oh, every see, that's 15 seconds. Creepy. Yeah. But if it but it only shows the one room. Like it doesn't show it if it's like going outside of the building. That's true. Which always happens on on finals. the last two yeah. days for finals. Yeah, you so you've kind of waited and waited. So it's not a yeah. final, it's really the finale. If you're doing it at that late of an hour, right. it's more of like an extravaganza than it is an actual school final. Right. It's Do you take a date to that? Um, <laughs> I don't know how they would react to that. Do you pack that. a picnic? Uh, I, I've seen some people actually bring plenty of food into really? there. Yeah. It's probably one of those three-hour tests. you got to hide You your know, own. I must say that I helped my friend do one of those cooking things. Um, in my backpack, I put the griddle because she was taking an, an eight-hour-long test. And, so and you took a griddle. I took the griddle and the eggs. And she brought bacon, um, bread, wow. and chicken. And so when she was there, I'm like, okay, hey, I'll, I'll bring the griddle. But, you know, just... How do you, know, you, like, pull a griddle out of your bag in the middle of a testing center without people, like, you looking just, at you, you just Oh, they do. But you just, like, ignore them. Just plug it in. For an eight-hour test. Yeah. You call it, it's just tailgating. They do it it's for football. Yeah. It's just <laughs> testing tailgating. Yeah. So it was pretty good. I was like, okay, you just need to make me a sandwich, and then I'll bring all the stuff. And she'll be like, okay. Wow. But yeah, you need to help her out. You can actually buy a sandwich. Did you know that? You can just buy one. You can. You don't don't have to carry a griddle around. You can either buy one, (laughs) or for the price of like two sandwiches probably here at BYU, you could make yourself like 10. That's right. I forgot. Starving students. Low budget. (laughs) I get it. Um, I shouldn't say any more than that. Hey, on this show, we like to do human headlines. And uh, on that, uh, what we'd like to do is hear of the latest headlines. Tragic shooting, remember, at the Oregon Mall. That's, again, just another moment of – we had one here in Utah a few years ago that just changes you. And you never go to the mall, look the same, it never feels the same. And I've shopped at Clackamas Town Center when I lived in Oregon. And it does not – it doesn't feel like the kind of mall where you would expect something like that to happen. I think that's – Hometown mall? Really what – left a lot of people in Portland feeling kind of in shock about this. Is yeah. There are scarier malls in Portland. That's not the one you'd expect this to have happen. Uh, every time I hear it. So our prayers go out to all of you that were involved and just to the town. It takes a real hit on a town to to have to kind of work through that. And good work to the police officers that were there. Very Between, impressed with the uh, – I heard the uh, police radio yep. audio after oh, you the did? fact. How professional and Calm. Yeah. Portland police, Clackamas County Sheriff, even the security guards in the mall. Um, at one point in the tape, there was a paramedic. He said, I'm off duty. I'm in the parking lot. At yeah. that point, they had to turn his service down. But yeah. everybody was so orderly yeah. and calm. And I think that Nurse, there were nurses on the scene that helped with the injured. A doctor was on the scene. It really, I mean, the scary thing about that, I mean, it rocks a town. It also, it just shows you that there's some really good people. And, and luckily, it, it sounds like it could have been a lot worse than it was. So 
Our prayers are with you, and uh, that's part of the human news. Anybody else have some news about humanity, maybe a little lighter stuff? Who's got some news? Well, it's 12, 12, 12, and earlier 12, today 12, it was 12, 12, 12, 12 at 12, 12, 12, 12. That, this, is a, this is a big day. December 12th, 2012. I wonder how many people got married today. And there's a lot of photos people posted online at 12, 12, 12, 12. Well, you met marriage, you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, the, and I'm sure this is true all over the country, but I know the Los Angeles County Registrar's Office that handles a lot of that. Normally, you just drop in. You decide that the- Just show up. I'm going to get married today. Yeah, it's today's like a, a great day to get married. Wedding. People booking six months in advance- to get on this date. At one point, uh, somebody in the office said, well, if you're really desperate and just have to elope on 12-12-12, you better plan to pack a lunch and drive up <laughs> into the desert and go to one of those offices where it's not busy because the ones in the cities totally packed. Yeah, Isn't but... that funny? It's a date. Yeah, but, you know, I some people – I know my friends actually, she got married this morning. Yeah. And so yeah, her reception tonight. But, you know, they just – really like the idea, you know, of being like, oh, isn't that so cool? But I don't know, like she had to book like nine, ten months out. Yeah. So. I had a I had a uh, friend. I still have him. He's still with us. He's 50. <laughs> and the, today's his birthday, 12-12-12. And Barry Christensen, 12-12-12, 50 years ago, wasn't as big of a deal. I mean, 12-12, whenever the year was. Exactly. But now, boom, it's a huge day, 50 years old, you know. Well, speaking of birthdays, there's quite a few stories around of these guys that are turning 12 on 12, 12, 12, at 12, 12. <laughs> Isn't that pretty cool? That is. I think so. I wonder what his favorite number will be. <laughs> exactly. Seven. But yeah, there's, <laughs> Seven. there's some on, boys Larry. from Montana, a guy named Caleb Meeks, and then also there's a guy, um, Carter Carroll. In, well, there has to be a child born today at twelve twelve, right? That's going to make a lot of money somehow. <laughs> Don't you think with all somebody's going to throw a lot of money at him to be the twelve twelve of twelve 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 baby? In fact, I bet you everybody was skewing their birth <laughs> records to be twelve 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 twelve. Fudging the numbers. He's it comes in at twelve pounds. Twelve <laughs> ounces. Twelve <laughs> ounces. <laughs> that's a giant baby. That's like. <laughs> Isn't that that one might not be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> that one probably would raise a little suspicion. Well, we lost the mother <laughs> with that huge baby. 12, 12, 12, 12. In fact, uh, I can't find it, but there was a story today of a man that turned 100 today. 100 years old. Which means he was born when, Skyboy? 12, 12. 1912. 1912. 100 years old today. I think his name was Stuart. <sighs> he weighed. In at 12 pounds, 12 ounces. 12, 12, uh, you know, I think this is just the precursor to the 21st. You with me? It's the beginning of the end of the world? This is just, yeah, this is the precursor saying, hey, on the 21st, in night, is it the 21st? Is that when this is yeah, all going to collapse? It's gonna it's gonna start to it's gonna start to create problems for everybody. I believe this hundred year old gentleman you're talking about is him. Is that him? Now his name is Lewis Stewart. Is turning a hundred today. He does not look a hundred. No, he looks great. He does not look a day over ninety five. He, he really looks, looks good. He, he looks, looks like just he's slightly 70. older than you. Don't you think? You think well, hold on, <laughs> Sky. Sky, what'd you say? I couldn't hear that. What'd um, you say? You. 
I think you think you just look a little bit younger than him. But, really? Yeah. Gosh, I'm going to miss you, Scott. <laughs> you were a great sport doc, and I can't believe this is your last day. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we're going to say goodbye to Sky today on 12, 12, 12, 12, 12. Just um, kidding. I'm just kidding. Just, yeah. That was kind of rude. I'm sorry, Matt. I'm sorry. I mean, I make one comment about your John Stockton shorts, and you go like that. That was just one comment about your age. That's true. Boom. Well, county. Truth. Yeah, until the next segment. Um, <laughs> so, any other news? Well, any other stuff going on with you kids? Matt, do you mind if I uh, be a Scrooge? Or Please do you mind do. if I... I'd, th- I'd have it no other way, I throw down some bah humbug? Yes. Uh. <laughs> well, uh, one of my favorite people, Neil deGrasse Tyson, tweeted today. He said, if you happen to enjoy the uniqueness of 12, 12, and 12 seconds on 12, 12, 12, then don't forget... At 12 hours, 12 minutes, 13 seconds on 12, 12, 12, it's just as rare. Hmm. Sorry to throw a wet diaper on that fire, but... Uh, yeah, wet diaper's a great description. <laughs> that stinks. Yeah, it's just as rare. Huh. Well, it was fun for a minute, though, wasn't it? There you go. Until Bryce came in and just started throwing around his <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of depressing, because if you do think about it, it's an arbitrary amount of years away from uh, – divided into uh, – each year, of course, makes sense because it's the rotation of the sun. But you divide it to an oh, arbitrary oh, number of slow months. Down now. <laughs> and then a day – well, that makes sense. But then hours is arbitrary. So you have an arbitrary measurement system based on an arbitrary starting point. Which is by, into set by a doctor and a nurse well, suddenly, the baby yeah. is arbitrarily out. He's right. It's not cool at all. Uh-uh. It's just more of the same. It's just another way to get free diapers. Half of the deals out there are about getting free diapers. Twelve, twelve, twelve was invented. I don't know if you know this. The calendar was invented to create dates so that we could celebrate things, so that we could have weeks, so that we could sell things. It was all a marketing ploy. Hmm? Did you not know that? I, I didn't, but it makes perfect sense. Organize the world so that you can profit from it. Well, this is fun. Uh, you're going to a, a game, a basketball game, to see the Spurs. After I take a final. You're going to take a final. Yep. You're going to have a picnic final uh, with a date. Or, Madison? Or or just a normal final by just myself d- in sadness. Final. Okay. Eeyore. Okay. And I'll and be at a reception. Oh, oh, your friend's reception. Yeah. Oh, wait, just a quick note. You know, yeah. this whole obsession with 12, 12, 12. Mm-hmm. It's not just America. Um, my friend from Germany they just got married on today. <laughs> yeah. On their calendars. So I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. 12-12-12 mm-hmm. on yeah. their day. So it's everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Guess what I'm doing tonight, by the way. What are you doing? Do you remember what we talked about yesterday that is like one of my least favorite things to do on earth? Go to the mall? Ooh, close. Caroling. Oh, that's uh, right. You're caroling? I'm going caroling today. <laughs> I know. With my church. Can you, can you give us a little preview? Right I'm kind of grateful I have to take a final because I but could be caroling. What I am going to do is make sure we call. I'm going to call both of you and I'm going to, I'll call everybody. And I'm going to let you in on the call while I'm caroling because I know you would not want to miss that. Actually, I would like to see that. <laughs> you want me to film it? I'll do a little video film of it. us film singing. It. Film I mean, it, and we'll, we'll play the audio tomorrow on tomorrow's show. Oh, uh, that's a great idea. I kind yeah. of like that. I, I remember we talked about I don't like caroling. I think it's awkward. It's like if you just start busting into a song in, a, in an elevator. It's awkward. Everyone's looking at you. 
Well, they're not sure. Should I look at you? Should I look at the ground? It's like a train wreck. Should I hand him a dollar? Am I supposed to look? Should I get out and help? See, what you do is you should you should take lyrics and just look down at the paper the whole time so you don't have to look. That's a great idea. Yeah. Actually, and I think as kind of the leader, because we're going with a bunch of youth. And so as a leader, I'm going to just try to stand back and just let my voice do the talking. <laughs> Why were you laughing? Nothing. That wasn't meant to be <laughs> Okay. Skyboy, that's two, man. <laughs> two times you've been rude. Hey, do you guys know what we're talking about on the show today? What are we talking about? Charity. Have you ever just been sitting there downtown in a busy, you know, metropolis, and all of a sudden some homeless person walks up, needs something, a panhandler. They want some money. They need some money. They obviously need it. They're hurting. Do you give? Or do you just sit there and rationalize and say, well, he's probably an alcoholic. I probably ought not give. I don't want to, you know, push it and help him with his addiction. What do you do? Tonight, you're going to have it going to that game tonight. Yeah. Uh, are you asking me specifically? Yeah. Just, you're looking right at me. Yeah, so. just generally, specifically. Um, <laughs> well, you I remember I, I've, I've uh, given money before, but I remember one time when I was in, I was in, living in Florida for a while, we, we had some girls come up to us and we took them to, we were going into Popeye's to eat some chickens. So we're like, if you guys want to come, we'll get you some food. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's to me. Yeah, give them food. What if they are at a McDonald's looking for the handout? Give them food. Yeah. Okay, so that's one form apple of giving. Slices. Apple slices, which is my <laughs> favorite food. There, a lot of people say, "Why don't you buy an apple yourself?" And then I'm like, "Well, I'd have to slice it." That's very true. It's so much easier to pay fifty cents <laughs> for three slices than it is to go buy a fifty cent apple and then slice it. I mean, hello. Yeah. You may get to like, you know, eight slices out of that, but hold on. What's where's the real value? Yeah, but then you okay. don't it has it doesn't have a chemical on it to keep them from yellowing. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I'm paying for for fifty cents. Um so today we're gonna talk about charitable giving. We're gonna talk about how to effectively give at the holidays. There's a lot of people asking for money. A lot of the charities make most of their money this month. And uh, who should you be giving the money to? How do you give it? How do you make sure this is a, uh, is an effective donation? How do you make sure it actually that the money gets all the way to the end of the row, right? All the way down to the people that need it. That's what we're going to be talking about on the show. Effective charity. The charity that gets all the way where it needs to go. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back after this break right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Look at the multi-touch display on your phone or tablet. Now imagine if your entire floor had multi-touch. IBM engineers have. We'll tell you about it. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. IBM has filed some patents on applying multi-touch interface technology to make smart floors for home security. When your entire floor can sense with the precision of a tablet, interesting applications begin to suggest themselves. The smart floor can sense and remember the weight and characteristics of each person in the household, and even pets so the house can recognize who's home and activate various devices like the air conditioning and TV. Keep track of pets and crawling babies, or it might call the cops to warn of intruders. The smart floor can even tell if the teenagers are throwing a party when their parents are away. Multi-touch floors could keep track of exercise. If you should collapse on the floor, it can detect that, take your pulse, and call an ambulance. It's not too far a stretch to add in video projection for dance floor moves, sports boundary markers, or that giant piano keyboard you want to jump on. 
you'll still have to wash and wax it, but I bet it could tell you if you missed a spot. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. For regular updates on BYU radio programming, sports, and other behind-the-scenes news, follow BYU Radio on Twitter. Just search for BYU Radio, hit follow, and enjoy our tweets on news, live updates on shows, and much more. Talk about good. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we're talking about giving during the holidays, and, you know, it seems like kind of a natural thing. You see somebody in need, you should just open your wallet, right, and start uh, giving to these people. Um, and then maybe you might start wondering, when does this end? If every exit I've got somebody that's needing help, do I just keep giving? And Or we might just give it to an organization or, you know, some group. Some just give it to their church group. Some give it to the people ringing the bell, the Salvation Army. So we've kind of, we've tried to figure this out, and I've brought my uh, incredible staff together. Madison Allred, also Alfredo, uh, (laughs) is with us. Now, Madison, you've kind of, you've looked into this a bit about giving and organizations. Mm -hmm. Specifically churches and religions. Okay, fill me in. Okay, so it's kind of common um, for people know for Christianity, you know, you have your tithes, you know, tithes and offerings. Um, and also, you know, when they pass around the collection plate, you can put in a few bucks, you know, for your priest. Yeah. Um, but then some things that people don't know is actually this is really common in other religions. Um, one's that probably the most closely related to um, Christianity as far as, you know, the chronologically is Judaism. Right. And they actually... Um, I've, it's kind of like in Bible stories when you hear, you know, like, oh, um, they were gleaning from the fields. And it's actually a commandment that um, the Jewish farmers have to leave the corners of their fields from the starving for the starving to harvest for food. And they can't pick up any grain that has been dropped. And then they also have to give at least 10% of their income to the poor. So there's the tithe, mm-hmm. the tenth. Yep. And so some, so some religion – I mean this has been – this isn't a new thing, right? We're giving tithes. They're giving it to the poor. So one way a lot of people have learned to give is through their church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean pretty much with all religions, they have an opportunity for you to be able to donate money. The only one I wasn't really able to find was Taoism. But um, they're just – but if because, you think, but that, that's just their way. They yeah. they don't really seek wealth, and so they kind of view, like uh-huh. maybe being humble and being poor is okay. So maybe you see the Catholic Church doing a ton of this. They mm-hmm. have hospitals and the nuns in those hospitals, and giving and giving, and they're serving the communities and a lot of the homeless shelters and the food and the soup kitchens. I mean, a lot of that they're all run by church. Yeah, kind of, and specifically like a religion that's kind of overlooked is Islam. Mm-hmm. You know, they do a ton. Um, theirs is actually called zakat. I'm 
I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong, but um, you just offended about a third of the world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, but it's actually the fourth of the five pillars of Islam, and so yeah, they just donate you know five to ten percent of their harvest, two point five percent of their savings, and they actually like they get really technical about it. It's um, there's like a certain amount of money, like it's called the nisab or something like that, where. Um, once, if you're below that amount, then you don't have to give the money because okay. that's like you're not yeah. well off enough. But if you exceed that, then you're then you have to get that because you know sometimes it gets kind of sticky. Like I don't know, should I? Should I not? But for this, it's like Boom. clear cut. You like give. yep, you give if Love you're in it. there. Yeah. And in fact, the Mormon Church that we you know BYU. This is we're broadcasting from BYU campus. We kind of do a fast once a month, so we do a tithing too. But we do a fast where we don't eat. Our family won't eat. Uh, for a meal, or actually for t- two meals, basically. Um, is that, yeah. It's like the way I do it. It seems, seems like you have like, a lot of experience fasting. Matt, do, yeah, do, do you really do this? I mean, yeah, Matt, I do it for Matt, How does it really work again? Do I, yeah. I, no, I've done it. I've done it before. Done it. <laughs> Once, well, what we do is we couple. take the, the money for the food we would have eaten, and then we write a check. And that money then is called a fast offering, and then the church uses that to go take money and supplies to people that need it. They offer uh, food and money for people locally as well. Now, Bryce has an idea that it doesn't – you don't just have to go through an organization, do you? I – the charity organizations make me nervous. The churches are churches, right? They've been – I mean they know charity better than anybody. Yeah. And they're probably in a way – better organized than some of these kind of fly-by-night that just appear. Exactly. Uh, There's a little more confidence for uh, churches and organizations that do that. Um, But it's the charity in our culture, uh, we're not as interactive as we were, say, 40 years ago. And so I worry to myself a little bit that we're not helping each other as much as we could be. Yeah, what do you mean by that? Um, you know, we're worried about people taking advantage of us. We're worried about scams. Uh, we're worried about things like that. And that that's not good, but right. at the same time, if, I'm, if I want to help someone, I don't want you to uh, take advantage of me. Right. That's annoying. I want my money. If I'm going to give it, I want it to really change someone's life or help them. I don't want it to go for your salary. Exactly. Um, like where where I'm from, uh, the South, barbecues happen all the time. I don't know if they happen around here because I live in apartments. We don't have barbecues. You in don't. Utah. You don't ever have them. I don't even think they're allowed. It's a pretty normal thing uh, to uh, at least once a week just be outside and you can smell yes. the, the 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 beef charring cooking. beef in the, <laughs> the air, and you know someone someone around you yeah. is having a barbecue. Uh, it's a pretty normal thing to just like walk up and show up. And just pop in. Yeah, and just I pop smell in. burning meat. Because it's also, it's kind of rude to cook something that smells so good. Oh, yeah. And just be like, people. I'm not, no, no barbecue here. Bye. No, <laughs> it's not. That's so people literally just else. show up. It's hey, pretty normal. It's pretty, I mean, if you're doing it in your backyard, that's a little weird for someone to walk in your backyard. But you bring something. But yeah. If you're going to yeah. crash somebody's barbecue, you got to bring something. Of course. Um, or the other day. Uh, example for me where I did use an organization. I was looking for something, and I decided to get out all of my stuff, which is two suitcases and two boxes. That's all your stuff. I live simple, okay? <laughs> You're like and a nomad. A little bit. <laughs> no, really, actually, that's accurate, because I just keep moving from place to place. You're a student. I go through all of my stuff, and while I'm going through it, I'm like, I, I, this stuff has been sitting in here forever. I'm yeah. just going to just like throw in a trash this bag. This high school sweater doesn't even no, fit it anymore. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> I ended up having three trash bags and a big box full of shoes. Really? Um, out stuff, of your little bundle of joy. Out of out of what little stuff I had. You hardly have anything. Wow. Yeah. 
Um, and I took it to one of the local thrift shops yeah. around here. It's called Deseret Industries. And I was okay giving them the stuff mm-hmm. because I knew... I know how they operate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you bring them stuff, they pick out the good stuff, and then they sell it for super, super cheap. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't just giving it saying, do whatever with it. Right. Uh, I knew what was going to happen to it. Anything that they don't sell, yeah. they will ship off elsewhere for free. Um, but sort of this attitude that I've adopted uh, when it comes to giving is, have you heard the phrase paying it forward? Yes. That's a rather new one for yeah. me. Oh, it is. Um, a friend of, well... Yeah, someone I know. Yeah. I don't, friend is a I little generous. I wouldn't call him a friend. He's just an, he's an acquaintance. Acquaintance. Uh, they were in a drive-thru. And uh, as they went up to pay, they found that uh, <laughs> the the cashier said, oh, hey, you don't need to pay. The person in front of you paid. Oh, my heavens. And then they were like, they're like, oh, this is great. This well, is I already have my card out. I'll just pay for the person pay behind the me. And the cashier says, oh, you're the yeah. eighth person to do that. Take one down, pass it Paying around. it forward. See, that's the spirit of it. You just pay. Then you know what? I'm always bummed because when somebody's done that, I didn't buy enough. Right. Like I want, I should have bought a bigger meal. Why was I not buying a bigger meal? Well, because I was paying for it. When someone else pays for it, see, that's what I'm afraid of. The usury. The usury of it all. We're going to have Bill Holterstrom with us. Bill is 29 years here locally with United Way. He's the president for 27 years of the United Way here locally in Utah County. In the state of Utah, he's going to teach us about healthy giving. What should you be looking for with these charities? What should you watch out for? And how to give and not just feel guilt. Uh, You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back with these tips right after this break on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. For the eighth straight season, the Cougars are going bowling. Touchdown! Listen in on December 20th as BYU heads to the Poinsettia Bowl for a matchup with their old Mountain West foe, the San Diego State Aztecs. Cougars take the lead! The Poinsettia Bowl is on BYU Radio. December 20th, tune in at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for pregame coverage of BYU and San Diego State with kickoff scheduled for 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Here on your home for Cougar Sports, Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Shazia Mughal with Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio News. Federal Reserve officials announced today that they plan to continue stimulating economic growth until the unemployment rate falls to 6.5%. They don't expect the rate will reach this level until about 2015. Government officials say no significant progress has been made on the fiscal cliffs talks today. House Speaker Boehner and President Obama's chief negotiator spent hours trying to craft a deal last night, but officials say they both left the meetings without coming to a consensus. Honda is recalling 871,000 cars, including 807,000 in the United States. The vehicles are being recalled because they could potentially roll away after the ignition key has been removed, even if they're in park. American Honda officials say they'll start sending recall notices to some car owners in February. Oregon authorities say the gunman who killed two people and himself in a shooting rampage in a mall appears to have acted alone with no known motive. Investigators say they talked to family members about the gunman's personal background, but they didn't have much information to offer. In international news, U.S. officials say Syrian forces have fired Scud missiles at rebel groups in the northern part of the country over the past few days. Officials say they're not sure where the missiles hit or if there are any casualties. 
U.N. nuclear inspectors say they're ready to go to Iran's disputed Parchin military complex if the state allows it to. The announcement comes after talks in Tehran between inspectors and Iranian officials. Afghanistan and Pakistan officials have agreed to jointly investigate an assassination attempt last week on Afghanistan's spy chief. The assassination attempt has heightened tension between the countries because Afghanistan officials believe the plan originated from Pakistan. Guatemalan officials say they'll deport software giant John McAfee to the United States. McAfee has been in Guatemala for a week after being apprehended by authorities a month ago in Belize as part of a murder investigation. And communications giant and self-made millionaire John Albritton died today at age 87. Albritton once led Riggs National Bank and owned multiple newspapers and mass media outlets. Those close to Albritton say he died in Houston, Texas, from heart failure. That's the news. I'm Shazia Moogle with Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we're talking charity and how you know which charity you can trust, how you make sure that uh, it's a charity that's legit, that's getting it done. You know, your great contributions don't only have to go to churches. Uh, there are some incredible charities throughout the country that are that know how to do it. So we brought on our producer, Rob, Rob Sanders. Rob, what's your well, Because name, there are some that you... Need, there, there are ones that you can trust and ones you can't. You're not going to tell me your middle name, are you? Lauren. No. Well, maybe I better tell you my middle name. We'll I definitely want that one. Gus. Um, there was a charity after 9-11 yes, that I said, remember. we're going to make a big quilt. Yeah. So they raised $700,000, $713,000 actually, to make a quilt that they said was big enough to cover 25 football fields. Wow. Guess how big it turned out to be. Uh you know, the red zone of a football field. Never existed. Quiltless. Quiltless. Uh, Missouri's attorney general. But I'm sure they gave all the money back. Mm, Maybe no, not. I think they, they okay. spent it on travel and a few other things. So uh, buying two Alaskan dogs. Well, yeah. Oh, to search? Yeah. And okay. uh, $36,000 in credit card charges. And oh, I don't think I don't think the money got paid back. Missouri's attorney general looked at uh, some of its state's Less accurately run ones with trouble. One raised five point nine million dollars. It was to educate five point nine million dollars. Educate people in remembering the importance of the service of American veterans. What percent of that five point nine million dollars went to charitable causes, according to their attorney general? One percent. One percent. Correct. Oh, are you serious? Well, that's why they're being investigated. A popular hip hop music artist. Mm-hmm. Raised uh, quite a bit, about to half a million wow. in uh, 2010. For what purpose? Charity. Just charity. How much of that went towards charity? One percent. Zero dollars. Now, just in case you think, oh, it was an off year. Maybe they had a lot of expenses or what have you. In 2009, they raised about the same amount, just over half a million. But that time they paid 100 percent. How much? Yeah, well, 100 percent, you guess? No. Five hundred dollars. Five hundred and eighty-three dollars, oh, and finally, this wasn't charity, but just a marketing yeah. thing gone wrong. Oprah Winfrey teamed up with KFC to give everyone in America one free lunch at KFC to try their new chicken yeah. thing, and uh, turned into riots, sit-ins, and furor 
when the coupon system crashed and store managers stopped honoring the coupons. You owe me chicken. Give me chicken. So it's not. It's okay. It's charity. So we're going to talk with our expert here, Bill Holterstrom. 29 years he's been working with a charitable organization, 27 as the president here in Utah County of the United Way. Bill, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Now, I'm glad you have some serious experience because a lot, it sounds like a lot of these just don't know how to run a business either, or they don't know the charitable laws. But you have a, you have a business degree uh, in management from Brigham Young. You also have received the Na- uh, Utah Nonprofit Executive of the Year, and you received an honorary doctorate from Utah Valley University. You must know what you're doing, Bill. We've had a chance to see many good and bad examples throughout my career. I bet. And there are phenomenal great examples, yeah. and sadly, there are too many bad examples. Well, it's got to bug you because this hurts you. You're a big – United Way's big, and you've got your act together, and yet everyone else, some of these are just – they're giving you a bad reputation. And I frankly get frustrated not only at those who are perpetrating the abuse, mm-hmm. but so many donors – who so naively support that abuse. Yeah. I was so I think it's culpability. That's right. No, it is. Buyer beware. Right? I mean, it's, it's or charity beware. You're still, you have to think. You can't just assume because he's a star and, a, and a whatever, a singer, that he knows how to run a charity. If you give only with your heart and not your mind, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. And this is the season, though, right? And we feel guilty and we go down and they're ringing the bells. And we see all the shows of all the people that are hurting, and somebody has a good charity, so we get our heart going, and then, but we don't know where it's going. We don't know how it'll be spent. I'm, and I think of some of your relationship shows of years past, yeah, yeah. where heart and mind are necessary, and this does not stop with charity. <laughs> right. Your compassion for those on the street should match your heart and your mind. Yeah. What's the problem? What is, what, I mean, what makes it so hard? You're running one. What makes it so – at first, it's got, it's got to be hard. You, do you really only get your money in a few months? In my world, that's not true. Okay. But in many charities, that is true. Yeah. Many charities are honest about that, and other charities use Christmas purely as a way to exploit the heart. Yeah. Everyone's feeling I, it. I have seen causes that are trying to raise money for a, a, a holiday meal. And the small asterisk that says, and any extra money we use for year-round purposes, knowing good and well they'll, they'll – fund that holiday meal yeah. after one day's of fundraising, right. but they use that strategy year-round. And they're all paying for overhead. They're all paying for these offices, and they got to have offices. And, and overhead and is legitimate. You need it. Right. Um, generally speaking, um, 20%, 25% at the high end of overhead. Lower. Really? So what's, what's the break? What should they be using towards the benefit so, of the charity? So the, a smaller, newer charity may have a higher overhead. Mm-hmm. Um, an organization like mine would be in the 10 to 12% range, 13 maybe, some up to 15, 20. Yeah. But in the same respect, I'm going to give a caution that a 10% may not be a better organization than a 15%. Oh, yeah, true, huh? Because if you look at only the, the overhead, yeah. you're missing the impact. Right. right. So you may be getting low overhead. But their strategies for making yeah. a difference in the community are worthless. Well, and the, yeah, your ability to stretch that dollar to impact the maximum amount of people isn't going to be the same. You so know. overhead's only one of the questions. The next is really what is the change in the community or in that individual with that donation? Yeah. That's and huge. that's a hard one. Yeah. 
Well, and some of these are so targeted. And it's interesting, too, because nowadays if somebody is in an accident and all the neighborhood will start raising money for them and you're giving to that, that's also a charity as well. And those probably are even least the least regulated, the least run and sadly, managed. There are growing stories yeah. of abuse in that area. One of the people, things that people don't realize from even just IRS nonprofits is if you raise for the benefit of a, spe- a specific individual, it is not tax deductible. Oh. So a lot of these causes are not well regulated because you can't put them to raise money for my neighbor for pro- for yeah. whatever cancer does not make a tax deductible. So gift. they still they'll have to take a certain forty whatever the percentage is and pay that on that. Oh, and so, so it's not it's not tax deductible. Yeah. What are we supposed to do, Bill? Because it's it's really confusing. And I feel bad for these people. So the homeless person that just needs help and you see them and they're they're there every time you go down and they're in the same spot and they're what do you do? I think the um the question is what best helps. Yeah. If we're not careful, we judge it on oh, I will by giving them helps. Yeah. I I'd, I'd almost equate the same thing if you had kids or teenagers. Yeah. And those are the same, I guess. Yeah, but apparently. if you had, but if you have with your kids, you've learned not to just give them what they ask you. Right. You learn it's not compassion. And let me tell you the story that I use to illustrate this point and how we deal with some of the panhandlers. Yeah. I remember when my daughter was young, as kids are, you go through the counter of the store and there's candy there. And what do most tired kids oh, are going mom, through there? Oh, mom, mom, I want it. I need it. Yeah. Caused a bit of a scene. Yeah. And, of course, I was trying to be a good parent and said no. A sweet father came up, a sweet grandfather-like gentleman came up yeah. and handed my daughter a sucker. As a parent, I'm thinking, no, this is not the lesson yeah. I want her to learn. Yeah. So when it comes back to the panel in the corner is, yeah. is this the best way for me to help them? If there is a soup kitchen and or a homeless program three blocks down the street, yeah. am I not better maybe to let them be a – a little bit hungrier and be motivated to walk to that program, get the help three walks down the street. So inadvertently, sometimes we can actually keep them getting from, keeping them further away from the solution to the help they need. Right. Oh, that's true. And so I'm not saying not to be compassionate. So you can have compassion and still not give, but know that, but give to the homeless shelter down the street. And so I will tell people, take that dollar out of your pocket, stick it in another pocket and resolve to give that where, you're, where they'll get a, a better meal, but they'll also get, get counseling. They'll get help. Yeah. No questions asked help yeah. is not always the most compassionate help. Well, and money is not the only reason people are homeless. Absolutely Mental true. health issues. I mean, there's so many other issues going on. And just throwing money at somebody is not going to fix a mental health issue. And so we have to figure out whether what we're doing, and you hate to use the term enabling. Right. But in some respects, there's an enabling aspect to it that if we – if, I mean, so many times you'll go into a downtown area and you know the services are but blocks away. Right. I might add there's been many a news story of some of these folks on street corners yeah. being organized in a very organized way. Yeah. They go around the they block and they get in they their shit. Land Rover drive and, and so yeah. I, want, I do not want people not to be compassionate. Right. I, do not people, I, do not people, I don't want people to freeze on streets. Yeah. But I want us to use wisdom as we do that. See, I think it's a critical message, and um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, though, Bill, I want to know from you, because here we are at Christmas time. A lot of people are going to start ramping up, like Sub for Santa's, where they're going to be giving, they're going to get their, all their family's money together and go provide a Christmas for a family. 
Sometimes that's good, I guess, and sometimes it also might have some hidden problems that people need to watch out for. Great topic. We're going to get into it. We're talking to Bill Holsterstrom, who's the president of the United Way here in uh, Utah and uh, Utah County in the state of Utah. He's been there 27 years. He knows what he's talking about. We'll be back giving you more tools and how to be effectively charitable. Make sure uh, we're really serving people's needs. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. Intelligent building blocks that assemble themselves. Today, we'll look at MIT's Smart Pebbles. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory routinely explores ideas that are nothing more than science fiction concepts today. One of their latest endeavors is a different way of replicating objects using building blocks in sand. MIT is trying to create smart sand. Imagine if you could bury an object in a sandbox, then reach in and pull out a duplicate of that object made from the sand with no special machinery or tools required. How would smart sand work? Well, before you can have sand, you need smart pebbles, a simplified two-dimensional version of the system. That's what MIT's playing with right now. The pebbles are tiny, 10-millimeter cubes containing special magnets on four sides, which can vary their magnetism. Also inside each cube is some very tiny basic computer and communications ability. First, the cubes are made to surround an original object. Then a second batch of the cubes compare their arrangement to the first group and let the cubes that don't match the shape fall away. The rest use their magnets to stick together into the duplicated shape. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. This Christmas season, BYU Radio brings you the true story of Santa Claus with our series, The Christmas Chronicles. Starting December 11th, we'll air daily episodes at 6.30 p.m. Eastern until the 24th. Or you can hear the whole uninterrupted series on Christmas Eve at 8 p.m. or Christmas Day at 2 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about charity and giving. Truly, I want you to know we need to be giving. We need to have compassionate hearts. We need to love these people, and uh, we need to answer the call when people need help. And I believe we need to do it more effectively because sometimes we think we're helping and in reality we might just be, you know, placating ourselves, making ourselves feel a lot better. So we're talking with Bill Holterstrom. Bill uh, is the president of 27 years. He's been the president of United Way here in Utah County in the state of Utah and uh, just a great dad. I would say just the supreme nonprofit executive kind of leader. (laughs) He gets it. He's been around the he's been around uh, the block a few times. And, Bill, this is the season of giving. Right. So all these families need money. They need food. They need Christmases. And a lot of people at this season church groups probably, scout groups, families, 
They combine all their money. They put together – in Utah, we call it a sub for Santa. I'm sure they call it everything all over the country. Angel trees, giving trees. Yeah. We're going to provide the money. We're going to provide your Christmas. We get it all together. We load everyone up in the van, and we drive them to the poor part of town. And then we dump everything. Well, we go make a big scene. Tell me what's wrong with that, if anything. I'm going to start with the thesis that if we're not careful, we can make a poor family feel poor. Yeah. And I'll tell that by a quick story that happened to a dear friend of mine. A dear friend of mine had her husband who was had a terminal illness. Before he passed away, they built their dream home, which was more modest than the other homes in the neighborhood, but it was in a nice neighborhood. On Christmas Eve, they found on their doorstep a box with presents and gifts and food, a remarkably thoughtful charitable gift. After Christmas, my friend comes in and tells me the story, and I asked her, how did this make you feel? Feel. In tears, she said, my neighbors think we're poor. Mm. One of the most common call, calls I receive after doing – this is my 30th year of running Christmas programs – are from families saying, somebody dropped Christmas off my doorstep. They think we're poor. Yeah. And that does not build a family. No. You add to that whole challenge is we want to give our kids this great experience in serving. Right. So I've worked with youth groups before where we bring the whole group together. <laughs> in fact, we bring, the, you know, we bring the one teenage boy dresses up at Santa. We all go to the door, sing Christmas carols, and someone in Santa – I might add, destroying some poor six-year-old's vision of Santa, probably. <laughs> That's right. What happened to that young Santa? And um, we all kind of look in the door to see what a poor person lives like, with giving wrapped presents. Yeah. How many mothers would want their kids to receive a present that they didn't know what it was? True. And how many mothers would want someone else to take away that joy of gift wrapping mm-hmm. for that family? In fact, there may be a family tradition where gifts come unwrapped on Christmas Eve. Yeah. And we're assuming our traditions, our approach of how they should be held. Yeah, I guess they unwrap all your presents <laughs> and then they go to their tradition. When I told this story to a group a few years back and a young lady came to me and said, the same thing happened to my family. We were the recipients of the 12 days of Christmas. But to make matters worse, they forgot two days. <laughs> the, the 10 days of Christmas. So not only did she feel version. like she was a, ch- a charity project of somebody <laughs> – she, wasn't she, even that she was a neglected ter- charity project of somebody. See, but this is real, isn't it? And it's us. We're not. We're not questioning if their intent is good. They just. You're. You're somebody that does this every day, so you see the ramifications, the repercussions. The rest of us just want to give. And right? absolutely, and the heart is well intended here. Yeah. So a couple other thoughts that just go with this. We have learned over the years that we should not give a family at Christmas a Christmas better than mom and dad can do on their own the following year. Yeah. The, we're not teaching the right principles if the best Christmas and the, the best gifts came when the family was struggling. Right. You want the most loving gifts, maybe. So the most thoughtful things, yeah, maybe. sincere. Sincere, maybe some school clothes, et cetera. But that's not the year that you want to go overboard. And what is that poor dad going to think or the mom yeah, the next year? How do you year? compete with that next year? Absolutely. Oh, interesting. Gee, Christmas was a lot better last year when you right. didn't have a job. We teach the wrong things doing that. Yeah. But if we're not careful, it makes us feel good in giving. So I wonder if it's not for us then, right? I mean, it really – it's just us trying to – and we're giving our standards, but it's kind of like we're not into them enough. We haven't – half the time, we just know their sizes. We know there's six kids or whatever, and these are their sizes, so let's go fill that void. But maybe it's better, I guess, you talk. You find I'm out an, about I'm them. an absolute believer 
that at Christmas time, other than if you under the anonymous cookies on the doorstep and the yeah. you, but in most cases that there's a relationship built, we can say, mom or dad, you're our friends, or just hey, I've heard about you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to be able to help out, and then find out what their needs are. Yeah. and it may discover what they really need more than anything is some school clothes or a school jacket. Yeah. But what they but ends up happening is we say, well, I want my kids to have this great experience, so we have our kids each choosing the present that I, they, they would, they want, would want. Right, from their world. But their... what are we really teaching again? We should be starting to think, what would they want? Yeah, that's the – there's the golden rule, right? I mean, we're trying to figure out what they want, not just serve them our way. Absolutely. We're, we don't know how to do this. We really don't, Bill. <laughs> I mean, really, and it's got to be easier just to not, like, go – I mean, but they might just seriously want – they might just want respect more than a bunch of gifts. They might want some sense of, you know, uh, I don't know, just integrity in themselves, a belief that next year they can do something. And I think often service, whether it be Christmas time or any time, the closer to home you can learn and start doing that, the better off we are. Mm. So learning to find and work with people who are close to home, that you have a relationship, start there and then move out yeah. outward. Yeah. But there are many trusted partners who can help you find this. But don't just assume yeah. that that's a needy family. Right. There's, there's some interesting irony that. Think how many times you hear stories, whether it be in religious magazines or women's magazines or whatever, about the best Christmas ever was that, that, that Christmas, which a family had very little. Yeah. And how meaningful that was for our fam- that family. Uh-huh. So we'd be careful to balance that. And we don't come in and just blow out the meaning with all this shiny glitter. Huge. And it's so. And if anyone's hearing me saying, "Don't do help," yeah, no. that's not what I'm saying. You're saying help. You're help. You're even saying maybe help more and give less. Exactly right. Help more and but help the way they need to be helped. And it may and the mom may say, "Gee, would I really? If you could just give me a few a case of peanut butter, yeah. that's what we would need." I mean, that might think of how valuable that would be. Like fill their pantry. But the chance that their tradition matches exactly yours is not good. Mm-mm. Seek first to understand. That's right. You just don't throw money at it, Bill. I mean, why not just write them a check and let them do them their way? And and that's a, a caution there that we have many families who, similar families that are in financial stress, have had some struggles in budgeting. Yeah. So there's some caution in how yeah. we do it. That's why that relationship becomes. You've got to know them, huh? You know, we've started a program here that has been very successful where we have families come and apply for help, but we do it in a library. We have a chance to give them some workshops, experience children's libraries, get library cards for their kids. Yeah. So keep thinking also about what can I be involved in that will help this family beyond Christmas morning. That's a great idea. But like library cards. Library cards. um, Many of us, even at Christmas time, we are so used to I mean, I say all those children's books that we loved reading to our kids, but our mm-hmm. kids are now teenagers. Yeah. And you say, well, I'm going to save this in case I have grandkids someday. Give those. Share those with your neighbors. Yeah. What um, about just buying them a video game, huh? Hmm? Where they can just keep buying video games the rest. <laughs> now they have to start buying all the latest. I mean, really, but that's what we're, that's what certain people are thinking. That's what I would think. Hey, a video game. Who doesn't want a video game? Have you ever priced the cost of batteries for all these remote <laughs> control know. cars that we give away? We give them, I know. Then they got to go buy a $50 battery for and, their forerunner. And I, I always have a tough time knowing what my kids want for Christmas. But I can give you a list of 6,000 kids what they want. Interesting. And a lot of these things, yeah. we're setting families up for future cost and or disappointment. Right. When other things, I guess, books, education, um, I was just thinking, I mean, the parents. And what do you give the parents? I mean, the parents, 
may just most, want clothes or most. If you think about it, most parents that I know are saying, "Do something for the kids." They always say that. And so, if you want to on the side do something on top of that, but nothing makes a mom or dad feel better yeah. when they know that their kids are going to school with good school clothes. Yeah, um, that pride that they have in coming for that. So, giving Christmas things that will go beyond the day. Yeah. By the way, that's not bad advice for families in their own families. Right. To Hello. give things that will have lasting impact mm-hmm. and not just a, a fleeting moment of fun. Well, and it's just we're so quick fix, aren't we? We just this is going to be our little Christmas Eve event. We've purchased everything. We're going to go have our good moment, feel good about it, talk about it for years, and we never really even check the wake. <laughs> we don't know what happens. Two weeks later, three weeks later, four weeks later, after we've churned through it. The unintended consequences can really be quite critical. Yeah. So we know that we want lots of kinds of caring to be structured and, and protected. You wouldn't want someone to to go just on their own, do a surgery on you or go give you a right. whatever. Yeah. But we have no thought about, do I know how to best help this family? Yeah. And, it's, and you, you only heard about this family a few weeks ago. Right, so that's exactly you right. hardly—I mean, most of the time—that's the case, unless you're just giving to somebody in your community. But and that's based on creating a relationship of trust, etc. Mm-hmm. Start listening, start learning what they need. There's a great principle here: you never know what someone needs until you know what they have. Yeah, isn't that great? You got to know them. You got to know. In fact, you got to know them to serve them. Um, you got to know them to to know what not to do too. And I mean, just to just culturally, you could so step on someone's toes culturally, bringing in something a religious symbol that isn't their culture. And then you want to build on their strengths and not their weaknesses. Yeah. If you leave that home only talking about how poor that family was, oh, and that's you're missing about. the boat. Right. Instead of saying, "Isn't that amazing how that single mom's working so hard to keep those kids together?" Mm-hmm. If we think of the person on the deficiency only, we're missing the Christmas spirit. We're missing the whole concept of yeah. giving. Yeah. But that's how we're used to raising and organizing. So when we try to get all of our, our group together to help the yeah. poor, we only describe them on their deficiencies. This child could be fed for a week for $1. And, and look you how see terrible. this, And you see the flies on the child's face and you're thinking, oh, it's, that's – and I think that's why people really question because I should, I should feel sad and compassionate. I guess that would motivate me, but maybe something else should motivate me. It's building on strengths instead of not, instead of weaknesses. Yeah. And those commercials you're describing end up creating a distrust. It's cheaper not to trust us. Yeah. Back oh, to the whole charitable description. Yeah, I'll just if you, you don't trust me, uh-huh. it's really easy to not feel guilty for yeah. not helping. Next. No, exactly. Okay. Bill, Bill Holterstrom, uh, he's the president of the United Way here in Utah County in the state of Utah. And he's helping us. He's guiding us through how to be charitable and still um, help. Sometimes our charity pulls people down more than it's helping. When we come back, we're going to get the tools, some skills, some tips from Bill on how to, to do it right. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo.
Are there some global issues you wish you could know more about or could get an inside perspective on? Notes from the Kennedy Center presents lectures and seminars from international diplomats and scholars discussing issues and events from all over the world. Become a more informed global citizen and tune into Notes from the Kennedy Center weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon. I'm Shazia Mughal with Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio News. The UN Security Council condemned North Korea's missile launch today, and officials say they'll continue discussions on how to respond to the country's UN missile development violations. White House leaders concurred with the UN, saying North Korea will face consequences for the launch. Afghanistan and Pakistan officials have agreed to jointly investigate an assassination attempt last week on Afghanistan's spy chief. The assassination attempt has heightened tension between the countries because Afghanistan officials believe the plan originated from Pakistan. U.S. officials say Syrian forces have fired Scud missiles at rebel groups in the northern part of the country over the past few days. Officials say they're not sure where the missiles hit or if there are any casualties. And in the United States, Federal Reserve officials announced today that they plan to continue stimulating economic growth until the unemployment rate falls to 6.5 percent. They don't expect the rate will reach this level until about 2015. Government officials say no significant progress has been made on the fiscal cliff talks today. House Speaker John Boehner and President Obama's chief negotiator spent hours trying to craft a deal last night, but officials say they both left the meetings without coming to a consensus. Honda is recalling 871,000 cars, including 807,000 in the United States. The vehicles are being recalled because they could potentially roll away after the ignition key has been removed, even if they're in park. American Honda officials say they'll start sending recall notices to people in February. Oregon authorities say the gunman who killed two people and himself in a shooting rampage in a mall appears to have acted alone with no known motive. Investigators say they talked to family members about the gunman's personal background, but they didn't have much information to offer. Forty members of one of New York City's most violent drug gangs were indicted on murder, racketeering, weapons, and drug charges today. The indictments were part of a joint investigation into the gang by the New York Police Department and multiple federal agencies. And projections released by the Census Bureau show a surge in Hispanics and Asians will dramatically alter the ethnic makeup of the United States over the next 50 years. Census Bureau officials say that non-whites will make up 57 percent of the U.S. population by 2060 and that no one ethnic group will be the majority. That's the news. I'm Shazia Mughal with Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. It was almost Christmas time And there I stood in another line Trying to buy that last gift or two Not really Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Now, when you heard that song, what did you think? Did it did it start to like create emotion in you? We're going to talk about that at the end of the show. Uh, some people, you know, on our team here really can't stand that song, which seems bad. But a really good charity can ruin a good song. Um, and so we're talking to Bill Holterstrom. Bill is the president of 27 years. He's been the president of the United Way here in Utah County. 
in the state of Utah, married with two teenagers, has a bachelor's degree in business management. He's won Utah's, I don't know if you win it, he's been awarded Utah's nonprofit executive of the year, and he's an honorary doctorate from the Utah Valley University. Bill, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. It really, it, it almost seems like, it almost seems taboo, like to badmouth charity, but some of them have really not done a great job. And then there's others like you in the United Way that just keep plugging along. You just keep doing it and doing it. And I'm sure United Way's even had problems somewhere here and there, but you get it. The um, One of the real challenges is how do we turn ourselves into proactive instead of reactive charity participants? So yeah. How do we proactively, you think about most anything else that you do in life, whether it be choosing a restaurant, whether it be choosing a doctor, you proactively do your homework. You think it out. Yeah. You think it out. You use your heart and your mind. Right. For some reason, we get into this charity space, and we often just fall for the for the heart portion of it. Right. The right logo, the right music, the right little cute picture yeah. of that cute of the little dog kid. or whatever your charity is. I mean, right? I'm jealous of any charity that can just have a cute puppy and raise their money. Wouldn't that be? Yeah. Um, but I say that not disparaging any yeah. other. But I'm saying if we can proactively say, what do, where do I want to make a difference in the world? Mm-hmm. And then you have to also decide, do you want to make that difference just in the short-term little flash in the pan? Or can you really find a way to make a difference in long-term? Yeah. So you have to really try to find a charitable interest that matches your values. Right. There's not mu- it's not a money issue. It's, a, it's kind of a values and who brings the solution. It's like anything. If you want to go by internet – you can throw your money at a million companies, but some of them won't be able to bring the solution you're looking for, and you'd go investigate. So, you know, what's the download speed? You could figure all of that out, but you're basically saying the same thing with the charity at Christmas time. Who's going to be able to deliver long-term the changes that we need? And let's have realistic expectations of what those changes are. Yeah. Um, we, if we're not – if we're overly simplistic, we say, who helped the most number of people? Right. And I refer to that as a depth versus a width issue. Mm. You can help a lot of people a little yeah. or a few people a lot, a lot or somewhere in between that. And there's a good rationale in all of those. Well, and then that you almost sometimes see the government arguments that uh, – well, some, I heard somebody say, everybody needs to have a home. And I'm thinking, no, they don't. I have a home. I don't want my home. It's a lot of work. It's and I and I'm fairly on top of it, but my wife's really on top of it, and we seriously question it every day, and we're still behind the ball. So, some people probably feasibly can't. So why not an apartment, or why not a shelter where we can get there and find out what's going on? And so, so we have to decide really what is our what do we really want to have change our in goal. our community? Right? Do I want to be more involved in a prevention issue? Where it's with education, whether it be helping – the research shows if I can get third graders to read at grade level, it changes their life for, for decades to come. Right. So do I focus on those kinds of areas? Does the organization I want to support align that way? Or are they just playing the heartstrings, the heartstrings. in such a way that, Look at these children, that really right. don't create the impact? So one thing we work on, if we want to make sure charity works right and is really truly serving, we make sure we know what our goals are. What is our – how do we want to impact the world with some of our extra money? And um, we make sure we align to those groups. Absolutely. And believe it or not, yes, money is needed. Yeah. We need to use the money to be able to leverage even, – even in my community, which is the number one volunteerism in America, 
Oh, is it really? I did not know. Number that. one volunteerism in America in in Provo, Utah. Wow. By almost ten percentage points. Yet it still takes money to manage effectively and orchestrate. Yeah. So the volunteers are doing the right things, not just on top of True. each other. And real leverage and real change. Absolutely. Hmm. And then what else do we need to do? So we we, we got to give – they've got to have money too. So and you talked earlier that we should be looking at some of their their you, numbers, you, their you, ratios. You, you do care about overhead, but I want you to look beyond just the overhead. Overhead okay. is a, 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 one of the pieces that matters. Right. But, you're, but the number that matters far greater than that is what is the impact. We don't choose a restaurant by what its overhead is. Right. What we choose a restaurant it? which gives us the best value mm-hmm. and the best satisfaction for what you want. So what charity best aligns in providing the best, whether it be a children's therapy, mm-hmm. whether it provides the right approach to the homelessness, which charity actually has the outcomes, the measurements that shows that it may, it's making a difference? And, and I might add, that can be expensive for a charity, which may actually increase the overhead by a right. dime or two. So overhead might be higher, but their impact is, is deeper better. and better. And if they at least, if they can't afford all that research, they at least have some research that they're basing their theory of business on. Yeah. We're doing this because all the research shows that if I do this for the first grader, this is what happens when they're in high school. Yeah. If I do this with a third grader, I'm going to reduce the amount of drug abuse, et cetera. What do I do to diminish just my inherent guilt that I'm not doing, acting on anything? I mean, it's like even the check writing, I guess it's probably still not good enough for well, our heart that says, serve, do more. Well, the remarkable thing is that guilt is a terrible motivator. Yeah. We will work around that dissonance of guilt rather quickly. So yeah, if, we'll if be guilt, done with if, that. If guilt is our motivator, it's not a very sustainable action that you're getting into. Right. So I think it has to be more of a proactive plan of saying, here's how I want to make a difference and, and proactively go from it. But if you follow just a guilt response to it, you're going to find yourself turning the corner from that one rather quickly. And you'll just keep throwing money probably just Absolutely. to allay the guilt. Absolutely. I, I guess, too, charities want your time just as much. Time and money, and in fact, time and money are often, and some people can give more at one time of their life uh-huh. than the other. Yeah. I do know from experience, and I've had many great leaders who tell me this, if you wait till you have enough time, you'll never volunteer. Right. If you wait till you have enough money, you'll never donate. That's, those are great roles. That's right. So it's not about, hey, someday I'll donate a lot and just be able to write big checks for people. It's so, right now. So if, if you don't have now. the spirit then, now, you won't have it then. And I don't know anybody who says they have too much time. Right. I've never met a person who says they have too much money. Right. Isn't that – it's true. You, and you, you, you will donate as you are now. Exactly right. That's, um, that's pretty telling, isn't it? Because some of us just aren't in the vibe. We don't do it. We don't – some of us might even write checks, but we don't – it's not from our heart. It's – from our guilt or it's from our obligation or it's from what my wife says. And it is true that women are the primary um, facilitators of donations. Are they? Lots of research on that. Yeah. But the idea that even if you want to put your time into it, I always say find a short line to do that, not a long line. Oh, everybody, yeah. everybody wants to serve a meal to the homeless on Christmas Day. Or Thanksgiving, exactly. On Thanksgiving. They lie, that's huge and line. I, right? I already know that all the TV stations are going to cover that mm-hmm. volunteer experience. But you had to have signed up for that long time ago. Find the shorter line. That's a great point. It's easier to vol- find volunteers to help that cute little three-year-old yeah. than it is that less cute 14-year-old. Yeah. Tempor- temperamental 14-year-old with a mood disorder. So, so, yeah. find, so find the shorter line. And, and if you spend both your time and money, focus where your 
putting your time, the, the more you invest your time in it, the more you'll be able to contribute. Yeah. If you only come in once a year, I can give you a broom and I can trust you to sweep. Right. That I can get. But they, they need to also be able to trust that you can keep doing what you're doing. So it's, so it's actually – it's a bigger investment because they now – they don't have to retrain someone else. But if I – if you really get the relationship rather than you sweeping, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm turning you into a mentor yeah. who has a long-term relationship. That's huge. So that is frankly far more impactful – than just the sweeping project. Yeah. Frankly, we have we love to make crafts. We love to make things. Those things are needed, but let's balance that with that real one-on-one experience, mm-hmm. with that group experience you can have in volunteerism that truly builds community. Yeah, it, it almost seems like the community without all of this, it's this is the fiber that grow that tightens the community together. And in a weird way, it feels like it's kind of getting looser. We're not we're not as like, we can't just rely on the charities just to come in anymore. I mean, so many of us are relying on everything else. We're relying on our insurance and our government and all of these other sources. And it's almost like charities, even churches, have just kind of been moved to a different – relegated to a different space. The Robert Putnam, the author of Bowling yeah. Alone yeah. and Better Together, has some phenomenal research on this this lusting of the social compact of the social capital in the community. Mm. I'll give you just a simple example right. of that. The more adults that know a child's name, the more likely that child is to succeed. Oh, I totally So the purely know. act as a neighbor knowing people's names makes a neighborhood better. Right. The more neighbors that know each other, the lower the crime is. So the charity that I'm describing is not only through the formal structure, which of course I work for. Right. It starts the value basis in the neighborhood. Yeah. Heart right to heart. Right there. I've often have said, love thy neighbor includes the person you share the fence with. <laughs> oh, that one? Yeah, but he's a jerk. He didn't even want to pay for the fence. That is such a good point. Uh, Tip O'Neill says, all politics is local, right? Absolutely. All charity is local, right? So uh, your, your conversion of charity should really start locally. Absolutely. In your, most, in your most inner circle, home, and then move it out a notch, move it out a notch. And for many of my friends, and I've worked a lot with university students who want to go serve the world internationally. Yeah, Yeah, Peace Corps. My advice is, and I love the Peace Corps, but learn how to do it at home first, and you'll be far more valuable abroad or across the country, across town, if you learn how to do it in your own neighborhood. You know what's so powerful about that is you don't need, just because it's Christmas, you don't need to go ramp up some big uh, charitable donation and sub for Santa program. Maybe just memorize the names of the kids in your neighborhood. That'd be a fantastic thing to do. Find out about their parents. Get into play ball. Coach a team. But you can also take that same extension and say, well, I'm aware that many community groups are collecting books. Yeah. So if you have that charitable spirit, love the shopping, go buy children's books. Yeah. And there are so many programs that need children's books. Such a great idea. And I might add, children's books are far more needed than just one more teddy bear. Right. Oh, if you need a teddy bear, come to my house. I've got 500 teddy bears for you. I'll remember that. I do. I'm trying I may be, to get rid of them. I may be calling you on Christmas will, Eve when we're will, short. I, if you are, no, you know what? I'll bring you a bag of teddy bears. In fact, it's funny because then, well, you know, everyone brings a kid a bear. Every parent, every grandparent, and you're like, no, 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 no. No more bears. No Especially more if they make noise. Yeah. No, yeah we, we never let our kids get those. Hey, what happened to Tickle Me Elmo's voice? We don't know. He just quit talking about two weeks ago. Um, it's gross, but real. Um, so, Bill, I mean, it's a big deal because we're people. And we're kind of, I think, inherently, we are intrinsically probably, I believe, intrinsically loving and inherently lazy. 
So we our hearts are big, and we write big checks with our heart. Which we love. Which we love, and that's good. Yet we don't have enough discipline, follow through. I mean, I just don't want this to be a little perk of excitement, and then I want it to be a wave like you're talking we, about. We often talk as if these things are exclusive from each other. Right. They can go I can together. either spend time with my family or I can mm. spend time helping the community. The paradox. I can either yeah. buy my family something or buy the community something. Right. And we don't realize that all these things are – I have a good friend, Carrie Passion, who's that as a sucker's choice. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it, there's more choices than that. Right. You can do some of these good things with your family. Yeah. You can teach your children as you're doing these things. But te- having your children visibly see that you're giving money and time at Christmas and throughout year the year round. is a positive thing. Yeah. And if we teach them to be overly cynical, we that's not what you want as cynical children. No. And that doesn't serve – the that doesn't serve the you know the fiber of the community that does, I mean we don't want to breed cynicism or this idea of dichotomizing either or where the false choice um, you can do both and in the end your kids will love the time just because it was with you absolutely I mean it, and it really is a powerful time and so maybe one of the rules if you had to give us the one thing Bill that really in all your 29 years of charitable work, plus I'm sure more than that, actually, what's the one thing that makes – that's the number one thing to remember as we're giving? Build on people's strengths and not weaknesses. Think of their strengths and not weaknesses. They're not just poor. If you think – if you're helping just because they're poor. Or homeless. You're missing the whole person. Mm-hmm. No one would want your child described just on their deficiencies. Right. No one would want – ourselves to be described in just the deficiencies. So as we're helping, do not rely just on their deficiencies. Do not think of just their deficiencies. Now, I'm going to squeeze in the second aspect yeah, of that. Yeah. Then be proactive to that, that approach and not just reactive. Yeah. Responding to the panhandler is a reactive move. Yeah. If you're proactive, you have to do less of the reactive. That's, that's huge. If you're proactive, you're choosing. Absolutely. If you're reactive, you're just kind of having to. Correct. Yeah. And that what what greater lesson to teach your kids than you are not your deficiency. Correct. But I guess too that would demand that you take the time to know what their strengths are. Absolutely. And a lot of times you wouldn't get that with the homeless guy. And it may even be boy, that guy's tough to be able to stay out in that cold weather yeah, so long. How does he do that every day? And then you see him get in his car. Um, <laughs> well, you don't want to be cynical like that, but I uh, appreciate that, Bill. Really it's a big deal. And um, focus on the center. I mean, focus closest to you. That seems like an obvious trick. And then keep it local. And then what was your other point that was so good about Proactive versus reactive. Yeah, proactive versus reactive. You really don't get far just reacting to life. And this is true in volunteering, and it's true in giving of all kinds. Yeah. And think how much, by the way, by the way those of us who are so cynical of fundraising, if we did not react to all the mailers in the mail – and instead we're proactive, those mailers would go away That's right. and would have far more efficiency in our system. And we'd be helping more people. The uh, Stephen Covey's definition of, of uh, proactive means you make decisions based on your values and your principles, not your mood. Reactive is mood, making them on your mood, circumstances, and situations. So if you're in the mood to give today, then I give. If I'm proactive, I always give because it's my value. <laughs> That's right. And, and, and I would be looking down road. I'd be looking downstream and seeing how it's really going to impact. Good stuff. Bill Holterstrom, uh, appreciate you, Bill. If anybody wants to get a hold of you, do you want to give them some way to contact you? 
Our phone, number, Way. our phone number in Provo, yep. in Provo, Utah, is 801-374-2588. 374-2588. Correct. 801. Good stuff. Bill Holterstrom, thanks so much for joining us. Glad to be here. Great And, and Merry Christmas. Hey, you too. Thank you. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. We're going to wrap up the show. We're going to give you our feelings about that wonderful uh, song, Christmas Shoes. We're going to bring in Bryce Tobin, who I think is going to have a rant about that. Right after this on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A new way to screen your genes may explain how to escape hereditary diseases. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. The Human Genome Project was completed in 2003, but not really. Scientists are still studying data from that project daily, looking for connections and explanations for everything from how fingernails grow to how some people seem immune to heart disease. So far, many of these connections and relationships remain an unsolved puzzle, but looking at the puzzle pieces differently may reveal new answers. According to Dr. Stephen Quake at Stanford University, Unwinding the chromosomes to study each half of a gene separately could prove key to understanding genetic diseases. You can think of genes as a form of data storage, and chromosomes contain backup files. If you have a mutation in just one chromosome, you might not inherit the disease caused by that mutation because your other chromosome has a working backup of the correct information. That's why Quake developed a sophisticated matchbox-sized rubber chip that can separate the 23 pairs of chromosomes in the human genome so they can be analyzed individually. Now, he's working on ways to automate the chip to make it less expensive and easier for more researchers to use. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Wrapping up the show here on the Matt Townsend Show. We uh, Today we've been talking about charity and giving. We all have the heart, the desire to give. Sometimes there's better ways than others to actually make sure it happens. And we've all heard the touching stories of acts of service you know, that, that have been done for others. And uh, we all have some service that has been performed for us. Uh, we send out our Tyler Mail. Uh, we call him our intern. Intern Gus was what we called him because we didn't know his name for a while. And uh, we sent Tyler out. Tyler put a microphone in front of some people's faces. And these are a few of the experiences from average young people who are out there trying to make a difference. There was this lady. She couldn't take care of herself very well, so people took turns bringing her meals. And I just remember going over to her house every once in a while with food and talking to her. Um, so several years ago, it was around Christmas time, and so we decided that we'd go around Salt Lake and look at the shops and try to find the gift for my mom. But we noticed as we were pulling away that one of the workers was coming out of the back door, and he wasn't dressed very nice. Um, you could tell it had been a long day of work, and as we were pulling away, my dad just really felt prompted that we should um, give this man just a few dollars. And then just gave him the money and said Merry Christmas and hope he was having a good time of the year. And he told us that he was so grateful for this because he didn't have any money to spend on his daughter for Christmas and that this money was just going to go towards a small gift. Well, um, I thought of a time this summer when I was home and downtown with my mom 
and as we were walking along, we saw um, a man on the side of the road that was homeless and he had a sign that said, anything will help, please, God bless. Um, and there was a, I think a Wendy's nearby, and so we took him in there, um, he ordered what he wanted, and we paid and left, and it was just something small, but I think it really helped him that day. I volunteered at a children's shelter, and it was really cool because, um, like, you do some cleaning there, and, like, a little bit of cooking and stuff like that, and change diapers, but you also just get to play with the kids. I recently got to go and visit the Utah State Precinct for, like, troubled girls, and we got to play games with them and stuff like that, and they were just... They were really good kids. I love the classic, you know, drop off the presents at the doorstep. Uh, my family's done that a couple times for some people we knew, you know, dad was out of work and we got a bunch of presents and, you know, it makes it exciting going up to the doorstep and dropping it off and running away and, you know, they don't know who did it and we all had fun and, and you feel good inside. And it was cool because years later we had moved and my dad was out of work and someone kind of did the same thing to us dropped off a, an envelope with some some money that we were able to get a new printer for us. Um, last year at Thanksgiving, um, someone ding-dong ditched us and left some Thanksgiving food on the doorstep for us. One that sticks out um, was actually last year around finals week. I went home um, back to my apartment and there were just some notes that were just left by my bedroom door just from girls on the board and it was just something that just put a smile on my face and kind of helped me lighten my load and just remember that someone's thinking of me. Well, what immediately came to mind was just a couple weeks ago during the last week of classes, I had several short papers due and then I needed to get started on my longer papers as well and I didn't have time to make a really nice dinner for me and my husband and my visiting teachers came over and surprised us brought us this feast. So I had this really like pretty much angelic sister. I remember one time I, she wasn't even living by me and so she had to like walk all the way down with this huge bag of stuff and it had like this big gallon of orange juice and like Advil and like cold medicine and like cough drops. It was just like the ultimate care package. Last semester I was trying to get on a plane and I didn't have a passport because it expired and I was, it was the day before and I found a passport office but I didn't have a car and my sweet, sweet visiting teacher drove me to the passport office in the middle of the day. She like cleared her schedule and waited for an hour while I got my passport renewed and then drove me home. Well done. Tyler Mail. So uh, there's just such a cool spirit to that, isn't there? I mean, that's charity right there. Yeah, it was today was a good one to go around and talk talk to people about what they felt about charity and stuff. And actually, um, behind the scenes story with this, there's a couple girls in there who are actually sisters. So I went up and started talking to them. Uh, one of them talked about the story of her sister helping her out. <laughs> and then so that went on. Then afterward, they just said, wow, that was just a really good conversation. Like, I just feel really happy now that we talked about that. And I don't know what they were talking about before, but it was kind of nice to know that by asking this question of what have you done for someone else and what has what have they done for you, it just kind of changed how they were feeling today. See, the spirit of charity, I, and that's what Bill was alluding to earlier, is that there's also a feeling to this. There, there's the act of getting your charitable act done. Then there's the feeling of just the feelings what keeps giving because they can just reminisce, remember the story, share the story, and the feelings come back. Um, cool stuff. Now, we were going to wrap up the show talking about a song called Christmas Shoes. 
But we decided we're not going to do it because it's just being rude. But we're going to do it another day. <laughs> we're going to save our rudeness <laughs> for another day. But uh, I'm going to challenge you as parents, as grandparents. Um, we don't want to like give the spirit that you shouldn't be out there giving. You need to be charitable. We truly believe in that. It's a big part of, I think, life. I also want that you're out there teaching your family, your kids, your grandkids, that charity is not something we just do for Christmas. It's not something we do around the holidays. I love some of Bill's advice that you go for the shorter lines, right? Uh, the big lines of everybody wanting to serve at the homeless shelter, that's great. However, there's smaller lines of just somebody in your neighborhood that needs uh, dinner made for them, and they just need a break, or somebody needs to take their kids before they're shipped away to China. So will you, will you just ask yourself in your heart as you're driving home today, what's the most important thing you need to do as a neighbor, as a husband, as a friend, as a community person, as somebody that uh, is just a caring, loving soul? What's the most important thing you need to give back to your family, to your community? And will you just answer the call and go and do? That's the challenge for the show. It's always, I think it's actually the challenge of life. Uh, remember, we're here for you. The goal of BYU Radio um, is to help you see the good in the world. There is a lot of good going on out there. Not every charity is trying to scam you. And even those that uh, maybe do end up scamming you probably didn't even mean to. But use your brain. Use your heart. Remember, you're worthwhile, and so are the people you're living with every single day. This is the Matt Townsend Show. From all of us to you, we hope you have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow for more insight on how to take your life higher. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.